Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a pen and paper by your side tonight because I'm going to be imparting to you some knowledge that is very difficult to come by. It's going to help you to understand who is bringing about the changes that are destroying this country. Hello and welcome. I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day, a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Monday, March 12, 2018, and today for 42 Minutes we reconsider if this really is not conspiracy by reconnecting with its author. This is not a conspiracy theory, is the work of filmmaker, writer, and speaker Kirby Ferguson, known for his popular online series, Everything is a Remix. Loved by fans for his ability to break down complex cultural, political, scientific, historical, and tech subjects into simple ideas, this is not a conspiracy theory, features the same ambitious storytelling, extensive research, visual complexity, and handcrafted rigor that his supporters have come to expect and enjoy. This project is an experiment in paid content delivery and continues his exploration of the episodic storytelling format. He is a frequent speaker on creativity, technology, and media, and has presented at TED, South by Southwest, the Festival of the Dangerous Ideas, Google, and many other events and locations. More information about his work can be found at thisisnotaconspiracytheory.com. We first met him on this program back in February of 2014 and are pleased to be welcoming him back today. How are you doing, Kirby? I'm great, Doug. How are you? I'm good. So let's just start maybe in the weirdest spot ever, but right now the, 40, the, <laughs> the 42 Minutes Book Club is reading David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest. Mm -hmm. Have you ever read that? I've never finished. I'm I'm in the gigantic club of people who've never finished <laughs> Infinite Jest. I've started it and loved it, and just, you know, you put it down at some point. Yes. And you just, you just don't pick it up again. You know, I, I've done that with lots of great books that, that I was loving. You know, I was totally loving them. So I loved what I read of it, but uh, I am in that giant camp of people who never got through it. Well, it's interesting because I, I finished it in my 20s when it came out. Mm -hmm. But I think <laughs> I, I, if I were to bet, I, I think I, I, I got like maybe – 60% or maybe 80% if I'm feeling optimistic of like I'm there is a oh, lot. Oh, that's not bad. That's you know, not bad though. Uh, like comprehension you mean? Comprehension. Like That seems okay to me. Reading it like that. 20 yeah. years later, I'm I'm like, wow, boy this there was so much sophistication that just mm -hmm. way over my head. But so anyway, in that world in 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 the infinite jest, it's a, it's a world where there's very little meaning and we're just uh, we need some kind of Mm -hmm. something at our core and mm -hmm. it's really interesting because i definitely note that uh, part of your series that you're working on right now kind of speaks to that on some strange level yeah that's really interesting i'd like to to revisit that actually and there is isn't there i don't know if it's real or not but isn't there a conspiracy conspiracy of some sort that is alluded to or some sort of presence in the book uh or is it another book? No, I mean, well, I mean, there's there's forces. There's, there's a bunch, right? Yeah, there's all kinds yeah. of like like the wheelchair assassins, and there's all kinds of dark forces like trying like, to. Are there Quebec separatists in, yeah. in that one? Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, the heart of the book, on some strange level, is like Alcoholics Anonymous because 
there's this this notion of meaning and i've i i recognize that the year 2012 gave people something to hold on to it's like the idea of something so there was this mm-hmm. this kind of spiritual moment with meaning but mm-hmm. since then there's just like this void and we are filling it with all kinds of cockamamie conspiracies these days yeah you think things were different in 2012 well, at the no, I don't. I just think yeah. that that at least was something to hang a hat on. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think I. I don't know if things are really. I, I don't think things are much different. Um, it's just that, um, you know, in the era of Trump and Brexit, it, it's it's sort of it's highlighting. Um, you know, where does power reside now? You know, like we've got a president who I, I, I hate that I'm starting off with talking about <laughs> politics, but I'll dive in. I will say this new, I don't care if you're, you can be a conservative, that, that's great. You can be a liberal, you can, you can be a libertarian. Those are all great. But I think it's, to me, it, it's very clear that Donald Trump doesn't have a good comprehension of complex information, doesn't have a good comprehension of what's going on in the world. Very impatient guy, short attention span, clearly misunderstands things uh, very frequently, doesn't have a good comprehension of complex information, right? So we've got a guy who doesn't seem to know what's going on, uh, and yet, you know, uh, things keep trucking along, and things are mostly fine, you know? Um, Like, it's sort of, uh, it it makes one, maybe it just takes time uh, for for problems to arise. Maybe this is just a, a lucky period. But it it makes one wonder how much influence presidents have nowadays, um, how, how much influence, you know, centralized authority has nowadays. Um, I think these are interesting questions going forward. And there's a um, there's a complexity science scientist named um, Yanir Bar Yam. I, I might be butchering his name a little bit. But it's uh, a name, Yanir Bargam, I, I believe is his name. Um, and he actually believes that uh, it's impossible to be president nowadays, basically. The problems are simply too complex for anybody, let alone a Donald Trump, like somebody who has never worked in politics before and has limited comprehension of, of policy and, and the functionings of government. Um, that the job is simply too complex for a single person to handle anymore. Uh, and, and he thinks we need to contemplate uh, divvying up ownership at the top and stop thinking um, in terms of in this, you know, this good old-fashioned hierarchical view that we've had for centuries now where there, you know, there's somebody at the top who's controlling things. Um, he thinks uh, we need to decentralize um, that authority. So it's very, it's it's a very confusing era for sure, and a lot of narratives that have have been around no longer seem to quite be working, and new narratives are coming up that seem to, that are kind of catching on with people that to me don't seem promising. Uh, like lots of different scapegoats are putting being put forward as people that we should just be blaming. Um, but I tend to think that the solutions don't reside with just punishing whoever the, these entities are. So yeah, very strange, strange, but interesting uh, times right now. It, it, I, I think it's going to be like a real education, seeing what happens with um, 
with Trump's tariffs, like like it, it isn't often that he does some he does actual policy stuff. You know, this is actual policy stuff. So I'll be curious um, what happens because all the experts are saying, um, you know, this is a bad idea. Um, it will create unintended consequences, um, but it looks like he's going to do it. So let's see what happens. It'll it'll be interesting, you know. Like uh, it'll be educational. Let, like let's see what you know are the experts actually right. So um, I'll be interested in seeing how that pans out. So anyway, I'm sorry to start off with talking about uh, Donald Trump and potentially splitting the audience right off the bat. Half of them just thought, you know, screw this guy. I'm done with this guy. Well, the the arc of this show is interesting in that it definitely started more in the realm of conspiracy with an open mind. Yes. I mean, so like you talk about loose change in, in your most recent part of This Is Not a Conspiracy as, yeah. as an internet hit. Um, yes. But as, as we move, it seems like Pizzagate – like <laughs> you know it's like the poor man's solution yeah. it's just it feels like we've become more sophisticated and that uh the whole evolution of conspiracy theory is one in which we want to believe that someone's in mm. control yeah and you know the truth is it, it it's more about the complexity science probably that what you're talking about that yes ultimately yeah that life is just stranger and more complicated than we could ever imagine. That even though we want it to make sense, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Yeah, I mean, I think what I this is getting into a part that I haven't written yet, unfortunately. Um, when we're talking about the the complexity science stuff, that's the so the the, the documentary is called "This Is Not a Conspiracy Theory," and it's released in chunks. It's released in episodes. Uh, so I just released the fifth part. Um, and there's one part remaining to come out, and and that's uh, sort of the the the, clo- the the final chapter, um, which gets into complexity science. Um, so this is stuff that I haven't written yet, so I don't know how f- fluent I'm I'm going to be on on this realm of things. But I, my basic premise is that rather than us looking for scapegoats, looking for people to blame, and make no mistake, sometimes there's there's somebody to blame, and and there are conspiracies that happen, and I talk about conspiracies that actually have happened. Uh, in the series, and I think it was pretty sensible in the 60s or 70s to to have a conspiratorial mindset um, with what the CIA was up to, with what the American government was up to, with what uh, the Soviet Union was up to. It made a lot of sense to think in terms of conspiracies and, and to think that maybe conspiracies were the were the the the, the gravity of the social world, right? Like the force that kind of makes everything move that, that would have made sense. I, I think back then, I think back then I may have been, uh, I may have been one of those people, but in the years since then, I think that the, the, the failings of, of that kind of thinking of just looking for who is in charge and, and thinking of things as being some sort of giant hierarchy where, um, everything is intended, and uh, whenever anybody, whenever there's a someone who benefits from something, it, it's likely that they are the person who orchestrated something to happen. I think a lot of this stuff doesn't just doesn't work in a, in the complex world that we uh, that we find ourselves in now, because the interactions of society are just too complex and too vast. There's too many of them. Uh, they're not tidy stories. I think I think reality is not like a nice tidy story with good guys and bad guys, um, which is what conspiracies tend to be. They tend to be, you know, good guys and, and bad guys. 
but I think the real world is is a bad story, if anything else. Like it's a story that has too many <laughs> plot threads, too many cast members, too many characters, uh, just super, super complicated and dull for the most part. Like I think reality is mostly a, a, a dull thing. But anyway, roundabout um, way of getting to my point is that I think rather than um, searching for scapegoats and blaming people, generally speaking, while acknowledging that sometimes, you know, that that is the case, um, that looking at law, technology, and institutions, uh, perhaps norms, these are the systems that I think day after day uh, influence our lives in profound ways, much more importantly, in, in much more important ways than than the actions of, of small elites. Uh, now, elites can influence systems, and I think that's a uh, that's a valid path there. But uh, systems, generally speaking, are public things; they're not they're not secretive. Um, so, I think looking towards systems, meaning laws, technology, institutions, uh, perhaps norms as well. Uh, this is where we should, these are the things that we should try to influence rather than just swapping out presidents or whatever, you know, um, which I think generally speaking will have limited, uh, effect. Hmm. I mean, so it's interesting cause I could see how with uh, the national media is the fourth branch of government in some respects, you know, they're the, is it? <laughs> uh, I don't know that I really... I, I really think, that. well, is that something that they've, it, okay, so that's, that's worth exploring, but I definitely, yeah. think, I, I think, I, I'm game to explore that. Yeah. But so like, I think that it may be self-appointed that they think that they're the watchdog. Oh, sure. Yes. I accept that. Yes. Right. I'm not saying that they've been elected to anything, but definitely I, it wouldn't be out of line to think that. I think I've heard them called the legacy media. So you're talking like New York Times and the and the Washington Post and and the mm-hmm. large publications think that Trump is um, a, a threat to democracy, mm-hmm. yep. and so that it wouldn't so, be at least at least some people on the prominent members of those staffs at least yes. yes. And so it wouldn't be if if they had an agenda to remove the president. Like mm. I, I don't think that would necessarily be like a conspiracy. But yes. you could potentially read that yes. in their actions. Yes, you could interpret it that way for sure. Um, but I think, generally speaking, we should be looking for simple explanations. Like, what is the most direct explanation? Um, like, a lot of the... I shouldn't say a lot. Some of the arguments that I hear from people from the right or, or the far right um, about why people dislike Donald Trump are highly, highly convoluted and and sometimes conspiratorial as well. But they take they they make up very complex um, reasons for why people dislike him, rather than simply that they think he's an asshole or whatever. You know, they just don't like him. They don't. He's a divisive person. He's an aggressive personality. Uh, who believes in fighting? You know, he, he he's a fighter. He he, he believes in fighting, and and, and he. Um, Liberals are not on his side, so he 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 is aggressive towards them. So I think that the simple reason for why uh, the New York Times or the Washington Post, which are left certainly left-leaning uh, media organizations, 
don't like him. It's 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 not even so much. Um, I, I think like what he's going to do is secondary to the fact that they think he's an idiot. And there's lots of good reasons to think that they think he's an idiot and they think he's an asshole. And there's lots of good reasons to think those things. You can just read his tweets and, and conclude that he's not a knowledgeable person. And uh, I'm sorry that I'm, I, ke- I keep coming back to Trump. Uh, I'm sure this is going to turn some people off. But anyway, uh, nothing against uh, people of different uh, ideological points of views. Uh, you can, you know, you can, I, I have sympathy to all sorts of different political views, but I, I just do think that this guy um, just isn't good at what he do, good at what he does, you know. Anyway, so there, there's very direct, simple reasons for why um, uh, something like the New York Times would seem to have an agenda uh, against Donald Trump. I, I think they simply don't like him. They don't think that he uh, is good at the job. But the larger point being that, like, the notion of conspiracy, or mm. that that everything is orchestrated on some level yeah. is is almost completely pervasive at this point it seems like and yeah. I, w- I wonder if it doesn't part of it is an outgrowth of the unreal nature of reality now that we're oh yeah medi- for sure. we mediate everything through a screen yes and and it just kind of abstracts it so you know we it's interesting because like uh your documentary style and a lot of other documentary styles you're you're referencing media as a way mm-hmm. to tell the story, but we yeah. it's we understand immediately the references because we get it because the media speaks exactly to the the characterization and the points and the time and everything. Yep. Know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, something that I talk about in the series is how conspiratorial logic was influenced by early early science. Um, so early scientists. Uh, were searching for a force. Uh, the force that they found was gravity, ultimately. But they believed in governing uh, a governing force and laws, uh, and they found that in nature in, a, in an absolutely profound way. Um, we found uh, the the theory of, of gravitation. Uh, Newton discovered Newton discovered gravitation. So we had this profound, profound insight. Uh, into the inner workings of nature, and that profoundly influenced um, science and engineering. The you know the devices that we could build, uh, we were able to build to build uh, much more uh, sophisticated devices because we uh, had a much deeper understanding of uh, of nature because of uh, because of gravity. So we discovered laws in an absolutely profound and and world altering kind of way. We discovered laws of nature. Uh, and it was commonly believed that there were laws of nature that applied to society. There were other sorts of governing laws out there, and a lot of people thought it was psychology. It was the, the minds of, of people that, that governed nature. Um, so this is something that is sort of woven into our culture, but the big difference between what early scientists were doing and what we do now so they were studying evidence, looking for patterns, uh, and then uh, trying to understand some sort of theory. They're trying to devise some sort of theory to explain what they found in nature. We now look at media and try, and we have our theories about nature. We develop our theories, uh, and we interpret media through the lens of the theories that we have about the world. 
So the big difference between what the early scientists were doing and what we were doing, what we are doing now, is that they were studying quantifiable reality, right? They were, they were actually studying the stars. They were studying nature. They were uh, weighing and measuring things. It was definitely real. <laughs> the stuff that they were looking at, the stuff that they were examining was definitely real. But the stuff we deal with now is fluid media is fluid like it isn't necessarily uh real it can be framed in certain ways to be misleading it can even be altered especially in the social media era you can't necessarily trust the images that you find or the 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 text that you find it might be flat out fabrication it might be simply unreal there's loads and loads of opinions that are that we that i think a lot of people can't discern from news they they will mix up opinion and uh straight up journalism and i think that's partially the fault of media organizations they don't make it clear often what is what is an opinion and what is uh, a straight up news article so yeah we live in this world of media now so rather than uh the way that the early scientists directed uh interacted directly with nature where there's no uh where if you are wrong uh there's no getting around it there's no getting around that your theory doesn't work when you're measuring, you know, uh, nature, when you're measuring the, the path of an object flying through the air or whatever and how far it goes. There's no confusion about any mistakes that you made. But media is this liquid, fluid thing. It's very um, impressionistic. You, you can interpret it in totally different ways. And you can choose where you get it. You can go to... Infowars, and you can get one sort of media experience, or you can go to the New York Times, and you can get a very different media experience. So those media outlets, they choose different patterns of the world. They present you with different patterns of reality. Um, so media is this stuff that we uh, are just drowning in now uh, that shapes our interpretation of the world. And it's this weird plastic stuff that can be interpreted in lots of different ways uh, and can be highly misleading. And I don't think we get the direct feedback from the world that the early uh, scientists got from nature, where like it's, you know, you, you have your idea about how things work, you try something and boom, it doesn't work out and that's it. Like there's no, there's no confusion about you being wrong. Whereas with media, you can make all sorts of rationalizations and excuses for what went wrong. Um, and if you believe in conspiratorial uh, sorts of explanations, you can you can always throw in that there's an additional conspiracy that is uh, to blame for why your pet theory didn't work. So yeah, we, we very much are in the media age, and I think our animal brains really struggle with that. It's really hard to we're, we're used to deal, dealing with nature we're used to dealing with physical reality that's what we spent hundreds of thousands of, of years experiencing we we know how to deal with nature and we don't how to deal with other people because we're, we're tribal animals so we're good at those two things uh physical reality and um interpreting people and and their actions um so i think we we turn towards that often our our instinct for interpreting the actions of people and we project that onto uh information that uh probably isn't that that is impersonal i think um a lot of what's going on in the world i think is impersonal it's not being guided by somebody's intentions so long story short yes we are in the media age and i think that's like the, the major struggle that we are 
we are engaged with and people are challenging, um, you know, the role of media. I think there, there's certainly plenty of uh, problems with with the role of CNN and the New York Times and Washington Post and you know these entities that I think do lots of good work. I, I'm not I'm not um, I'm not ferociously opposed to them, but um, they definitely should be challenged. Um, but unfortunately, there's all sorts of just nonsense that is proliferating now as well. Um, you know, we, 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 at least with these older entities, there was a bar that information had to pass. You know, there was a minimal bullshit bar that you had to get over. Whereas with the internet, that's gone. You know, like any old sorts of, of nonsense can circulate and, and catch on. Um, so, uh, the internet has, has, is, you know, in, in some ways has made things better, but in, in lots of ways has made things worse as well. So yes, confusing times and we are, we are in the media age and we're struggling to make sense of it. Did you happen to see that, uh, video the New York times put together after the Las Vegas shooting? I don't believe I did. No, it was really interesting in that. They almost used kind of a a conspiracy tool book a little bit, and so they're mm-hmm. taking they're taking lots of media and creating they needed to try and uh, tell the story of what was happening and so they're using different videos they got from different people's phones and audio tracks and stuff. but it was really interesting in that because the New York Times has so much more access than one person say, so like mm-hmm. a conspiracy folk is they're going to take one video and say. Now, do you hear the shots in this? And then the, the sound changes. That means that there was another shooter in another building. Mm-hmm. And they can they can take the facts to fit the story that they think is right, the conspiracy folk person. Right. But the New York Times had a lot of data, and they put it all in one global video about mm-hmm. breakdown time, you know, moment by moment, and were able to explain you know, why the sound changed at this point and then what happened. It was really interesting in that, it's almost like their their reporting is trying to they're not trying to debunk the conspiracy but they're trying to get to the facts as quickly as possible uh, i mean it, it's the same it's the same point yeah. i guess from both people they want to understand you know what what happened and why and you know what was going on yeah i mean and i think like the second shooter thing which is a theme that began with the jfk assassination right that that's the first time i'm aware of that being uh uh put forward as a a, as a hypothesis and that's now that gets trotted out with every single shooting now and i think that's indicative of our of the human interest in larger conspiracies in larger causes than just oh it's just some person who is mentally ill or angry or or whatever it's got to be something more than that like i think that's what fueled the jfk second shooter idea was that it can't just be this this guy lee harvey oswald who was working at a you know, shipping books uh, at the book depository in in Dallas. It can't just be this random guy, twenty something year old goofball who, who took out President Kennedy. That can't possibly be it. There's got to be something more to it. Uh, and I think we still do that. You know, we still we want there to be more to it than just this um, than just this this single unremarkable person. You know, and I think that's. That's influenced by our ideas of, um, you know, equal and opposite reactions. You know, if something major happens, then something major had to have caused that, you know. 
Um, but that's not the way that the world is. I think uh, a guy like Lee Harvey Oswald, who was a reasonably ordinary guy, but also was um, industrious. You know, he he knew how to. He was a dedicated, uh, hardworking person. It's weird that I'm talking about the good qualities of of Lee Harvey Oswald here. But my point is, I think that people of ordinary uh, talents can do quite a bit you know they can do quite a bit i think i have no problem believing that lee harvey oswald shot john f kennedy with a, a mediocre rifle um at a slow moving target that's not particularly far away got off three shots in in seven seconds i don't find anything remarkable or unusual about that people can single people can accomplish quite a bit so yeah, I, I think that that instinct though for that second shooter is is our drive to find um, to find a group behind things and, and a larger, bigger purpose to things rather than just the single uh, lone lone nut is what that is what that gets dismissed as generally right the the, the lone nut hypothesis. The interesting thing that I notice is when like. Uh, you know it's so weird when you when you cultivate a cult of personality so you're creating you're a creator of some kind whether you're like a media person or an artist or whatever um and you you become successful so mm -hmm. like like uh like you're Alex Jones types or something but you yeah. become successful enough that the the conspiracy turns upon you how could you become <laughs> sure. you know yeah. how can you yeah, do yeah, yeah. this who's helping you how you know <laughs> It you know Leo Harvey Oswald obviously needed help, and so here you are with this media empire that you've crafted from nothing, and you say you've got a high school diploma. How how is this even possible? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean it's 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 inevitable that that, that that's conspiracy logic. Um, yeah, it's an all-consuming thing. Uh, it, it knows no limits. Uh, and it will get applied to anything and everything, right? And I, I, to, to me, that that's a real problem with 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 the technique itself is that it can just be applied to anything. The 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 the, the techniques don't limit you in any way. Uh, but certainly, I've seen plenty of 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 stuff claiming that Alex Jones is a, a CIA operative or a Russian operative or or whatever. But he's some sort of asset for somebody, which I think is pretty comical. And that just kind of leads me to the idea of like business model. And so that was the interesting thing that you mm -hmm. were, you were doing with your video series is that you you were creating work and you needed to be compensated. You needed to make a living, mm -hmm. and you you went in on a business model. How how did that work for you? Uh, mediocrely, I, I would say it's super hard. So the, so I'll explain what I did. Um, I did a. I launched. This is not a conspiracy theory. A long time ago, in uh, twenty, it was in twenty twelve when I launched the project, and I had nothing. So before that, I had done a series called Everything Is a Remix, which was very popular, and I wanted to capitalize. But and I hadn't charged anything for Everything Is a Remix, so I hadn't made any money directly uh, on that project. So I wanted to capitalize on that and capture some uh, capital that I could put towards my next project. So I did a Kickstarter project to launch uh, This Is Not a Conspiracy Theory, and that went well, but I didn't understand how long the project was going to take me because I didn't really know what it was. I, I didn't really have anything 
when I had finished uh, Everything is Remix. And I thought, oh, well, the next thing will probably be like Everything is Remix and it'll probably take a couple of years like it did. Uh, but then it just ended up being a much bigger, more ambitious uh, and more difficult project than that. So it's gone on way longer than that. And it took two years. Then I had like bad luck along the way that I won't get into. But, you know, I, I wasn't dealt a good hand uh, during that period of time. Uh, so I didn't even launch the first episode for two years. It took two years just to get the project off the ground. So in retrospect, I wish I, I you know, launched it later uh, rather than launching uh, a crowdfunding campaign when I didn't have any, hadn't really done any, uh, hadn't developed the premise of, of the project or anything or done any writing. So I started it uh, too early. I, I took funding uh, too early. And then after that, I once I launched it, I sold it as a video-on-demand project through uh, Vimeo and through a platform called VHX, which got bought by Vimeo later. So now it's it's all it's just Vimeo at this point. So basically, I'm selling it directly to customers. Um, so I'm trying to get people to buy an individual video, basically, right? Which is super tough. Like uh, it was. I think it worked better when I launched it. I think people were more open to that idea back then. But since then, we've gone into the Netflix era where people expect to pay 10 bucks or 15, 15 bucks or whatever for their platform. And then they get everything, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or HBO or show, Showcase or, or whatever. Showtime. What's it called? Showtime. Um, so I, I think that is the model that ultimately won. The sort of Spotify all-you-can-eat model is what ultimately won. So selling video directly to consumers is super, super tough. I've done okay with it, and it continues to sell, which impresses me because I don't really, I don't really actively push it that much anymore. My, my, uh, I'm really just trying to finish it. I'm trying to get it done mm -hmm. uh, because then all of the pieces will go together. Into, then it will just be a documentary at that point. It will just be uh, all the pieces go together, and it's just a, it's just an ordinary documentary at that point rather than being a weird uh episodic thing um so it does continue to sell which is awesome i think I'm, I'm i suspect i'm in a very limited group there um i bet most people who are selling directly to consumers get month after month after month of no sales probably because it's freaking hard uh so selling directly to consumer uh in video i think is real tough um the only way i could see it really working is if you have a strong niche probably like if you are involved in a certain community and you wanted to make uh, a doc about that community i think that could work like you're into you know beanie babies or whatever, <laughs> like whatever it doesn't matter but you're, you're a member of some sort of community uh, I can see how you could potentially sell directly to a niche community like that, like people who are passionate about a certain thing and they're willing to pay yeah. 10 bucks or whatever to get a little talk about it. But doing sort of a more general interest sort of thing, um, like what I'm doing, um, it's tough. And I, I would say it's, I won't be doing it again. Uh, I, I would say it was not – it worked okay. Um, but I basically had to uh, finance most of the production through doing uh, – uh, commission work, you know, d d creating videos for other people. So that slowed things down uh, much more dramatically as well. Because I wasn't, I don't work on the, the film full time. I only work on it maybe a third of the year or something like that. 
but I consider myself very fortunate that I, I get to do that even. So I would say um, selling video on demand is a tough racket, and I wouldn't. Uh, it was a really interesting experience. I don't regret it a, a bit, but I think the the path the the path has been chosen at this point, and it's the it's the all you can eat model of Netflix that has won. So I think that's the, the that's the the format that that people should go for uh, going forward should adopt. Uh, unless you're again, unless you're doing some sort of niche project, I think maybe then it could work. So then, do you think uh, you say you have one more part to go? Yeah, and and then it's complete and done. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, then I license it. Yeah, and then it's so, uh, in terms of assembling the pieces. Do they just seamlessly go together, or will there be a little bit of I don't know it tweaking? Depends. I don't know. Oh, I'll, I'll probably tweak it a bit. I'm sure I'll, you know, fix some of if there's any issues. Um, I'll, I'll give it another look and see what parts bother me the most, um, which is inevitable, inevitable because I've been working on it a long time. <laughs> you know, it's old. So, you know, you, your game improves over the course of those years and you can look back at old stuff and be like, oh, God, that looks so bad. I could do so much better than that now. Um, so I certainly I'm sure I will tweak it. But I think the ultimate format will depend on who licenses it. Um, like if they're okay, I, I do like the episode episodic format of it. I, I like, uh, uh, presenting it in, in installments of roughly 15 minutes. I feel like that's a good amount of time, uh, for my format, which is like dense, the dense format. It's a lot to take in. So I feel like that's kind of a good amount of time, uh, to sit with my stuff. Um, so, uh, it'd be nice if, if it could remain episodic, but at the same time, if somebody's like, no, 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 you have to, what will play best is if you, um, you join them all together, then I'll do that. Um, so I'm open either way. I, I tend to think that the episodic format would, would, would work a little better, but I'm open. Like I'm not, I'm not, um, uh, my mind is not closed to other possibilities, but joining it together wouldn't be that big a deal. And what about, I mean, so like that's the interesting thing too, that when you start a new episode, do you you feel some obligation to kind of catch people up a little bit? I mean, there is a little bit at the beginning of each video of, you know, reiterating, you know, whereas... A tiny bit. It's it's not enough, yeah, I mean... but I, I guess I, I ultimately assume that most people will be watching them. They won't be like these. This the, the audience that I have right now. They're waiting, you know, nine months or whatever between between episodes. Um, so you're gonna for, you're definitely gonna forget the previous episode. Um, but I'm ass, I'm more assuming that most people are going to see it. They're just gonna queue up the next one. They're gonna watch one episode and then they're gonna queue up the next one. They're gonna watch that. So the the last episode will be you know will be fresh in your memory. So I do try to recap like a little bit, but 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 not a lot. Um, like because the episodes are fairly short, I didn't want to um, waste too much time recapping, and I try to make them kind of um, decently self-sufficient, so that even if you uh, just watched one episode, you 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 probably still could get uh, a lot out of it, even if you hadn't seen the previous one. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I I, I hope that's the case. Um, but yeah, I, I do do a little recap, but I, I do assume that most people are ultimately going to see it. Uh, just they're just going to watch one episode right after the other, rather than this this initial group of of people who are my like my real fans. Um, they're like the most important people to me. Um, but they're probably going to be outnumbered by the people who come later and just watch it all in one go. Well, I could definitely see. So I'm I'm really tickled. I mean that 
it just continues. You know? <laughs> it does not stop. <laughs> it yes. does not stop. Uh, no. So uh, time time passes, and yes. and you continue on with this thesis, and I just I. I it's always a treat when I see another installment show up in my. That's awesome, man! Yeah. I'm hoping that I can. Uh... I think oh, once sorry, it comes together, yeah. though, it's gonna get some like another little light. Oh yeah, it'll, it, I think it'll get a. It should get a significant boost, especially if I can license it to some some place that has um, good visibility. But yeah, when it's done, it's a much easier sell than. Here's a bunch of parts of it. Here's a few. Like at first it was, it was here's one part of it. Like here's six minutes of it, uh, and the rest is coming. You know, trust me. Like that was my least favorite era, was when it was just a promise. You know, I didn't really have anything to. I I only had produced a small amount of it. Uh, now it's 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 pretty it's mostly there. You know, most of the screen time is is there. You can watch most of it, so it's a much different experience now. But yeah, I think it'll definitely get uh, another boost. Uh, when I finish it, for sure, because then it's a complete statement uh, at that point um, and a much more accessible project. Then it's just a documentary rather than this weird uh, episodic documentary format. Well, are you able to see beyond this now? I mean, so you're saying that you only spend about a third of your year on it. What mm-hmm. what 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 is really exciting you and what do you want to work on next? Well, I mean, this this uh, the top priority absolutely is is the is the end of this is this is this last chapter uh, of this is not a conspiracy theory because it's stuff that it's the complexity science uh, element that I haven't really gotten much into uh, in the episodes thus far, so it's kind of a new it's it, it, I'm opening kind of a, a new section in this final uh, in this final chapter. So it's fresh material. I'm kind of mostly done with the world of of conspiracy theories at this point. Not entirely, but you know, I, I've, I'm mostly moving on from that. Uh, so it's exciting, fresh, new material to me, um, and it's almost done. You know, so I, I have kind of a fresh boost of energy of like, okay, like let's let's wrap this sucker up, you know, and then I can move on to the next thing. So my top priority, by leaps and bounds, you know, by a great distance, is this. Um, and then after that, I definitely will not want to jump into some other giant commitment <laughs> like I did with, with everything after everything is remixed. Uh, and I think my my I think after that, my interest will probably be in popularizing the ideas from this is not a conspiracy theory, which is not um, it's just not a thing that's for everybody. You know, it's not something that I I, I don't. Th- think that you know young teens would you know some i'm sure some can but it, it's not something that youngish viewers i think would be able to watch and, and really get uh it's not something that people who are less media savvy would be able to watch and really get it's for kind of a nerdy audience so i'd like to i think my my interest after this will be just popularizing some of those ideas uh and getting them out to a broader audience so doing smaller cheaper free content uh that is inspired by or or reiterations of some of the 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 information from this series so i think i'd like to go um this is not a conspiracy theory ended up being kind of like a little bit elite kind of for the smarty pants of the world uh i'd like to do i I think after this i'd be interested in doing something that's very like big tent just anybody can can watch these things i think that will be my interest going forward so shorter more accessible uh cheaper cheaper content for a bit and then maybe some bigger project down the road a bit but i'm not i'm not going to rush into that well that was 42 minutes thank you so much for sharing it with us hey my pleasure 
Thanks, Doug. You bet. You've been listening to Kirby Ferguson on 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and SyncBook.com. Check out This Is Not A Conspiracy Theory at thisisnotaconspiracytheory.com. For more information about the SyncBook, our guests, check out past shows or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast, check out others as currently all the SyncBook radio archives are free. <laughs> We've lost our business model. <laughs> we also feature a great search, in- search engine to help you find what you need. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com. Thanks so much. And back and to the left. Back and to the left. <laughs> <laughs>